Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This is The Better Angle with Kay Constable and Cameron Smith on the BetQL Network. Presented by BetMGM. We're going to just put that on hold for a second because we now have Matt Fortuna on the line. Matt, do we have you here? I'm here from Tigers of Cats. How are we doing? <laughs> well, whoever we just called was not um, apparently the wrong number. A different guy answered, uh, said it wasn't you. So um, interesting. <laughs> but that's okay. I can assure you I had nothing to do with that, but that's pretty funny. <laughs> Matt Fortuna joining us right now, college football reporter, insider, and my former co-host here on Becky L, friend of the show. Uh, Matt, with the college football season really right around the corner, I mean, you've – talked a ton over the last week, done a great job reporting a lot of the stuff that's come out of Northwestern. Just what's the, what's kind of the sentiment in that organization, that program right now, and how do they move forward from everything? I think the hope, if you're an optimist about Northwestern, is that they, they stabilize the, the coaching situation moving forward for this season about as much as humanly possible. And by that, I mean, you know, they promoted defense coordinator David Braun to the interim role for the season. They're keeping the rest of the staff intact. But make no mistake about it, guys, there's still a lot of unrest in Evanston. The players, a lot of them are furious. Uh, we've yet to hear from the president or the athletic director publicly. Uh, neither of them have gone behind the podium and taken questions and explained their, their rationale for, for what really transpired over the last eight, eight days, even though it feels like it's been a lot longer than that. Um, keep in mind, you know, Football-wise, we're talking about a team that won just one game last year under normal circumstances. So I wasn't sure how good they were going to be coming into this year with Pat Fitzgerald as their head coach. And now, you know, there's still a 30-day window where a lot of these guys, well, all these guys could technically transfer and be eligible without penalty. Now, I don't think too many of them will. I think it's late enough in the calendar and, and other teams have their rosters and depth charts pretty set in pencil, if not pen yet. Um, but you know, there are there are some talented players on that Northwestern roster, and if they get feelers from other schools and are assured they have spots elsewhere, it uh, wouldn't surprise me at all if we see some departures here in the next couple of weeks. So, Matt, that was going to be my next question, and thanks for coming on. We really appreciate your time. But that was going to be my question. If there were players to transfer, I mean, who's at the top of that list that other schools might be interested in that might be getting these calls to say, hey, if you want to get out of there, we have a spot for you? Yeah, they, they've got a couple, and even, you know, they, they had – a bit of a mass exodus last year as well, which was alarming, you know, obviously from the outside looking in to see a one-win team have a bunch of people 
transfer afterward, but but all the people who did transfer for the most part last year ended up at pretty good spots, which is indicative of some of the talent that, that's on this team. I mean, Josh Preeb, an offensive lineman, is a guy who I think could be in demand. Uh, A.J. Henning, a wide receiver, is another guy I think could be in high demand. I mean, th- th- there are some talented players on this team, and, you know, even in spite of uh, – you know, the, the struggles on the field, the one-win season last year, the three-win season the year before. Uh, statistically speaking, uh, this past year's recruiting class, the 2023 class, was the highest-ranked class Northwestern had signed in the Pat Fitzgerald era. So, uh, you know, th- th- there was reason for cautious optimism. It, it, as bad as the last two years were, two of the previous three years before that ended up in Indianapolis with Big Ten West Championships. So, uh, it's been a program that, that when, when things are clicking, they're able to punch above their weight, and, and no question about it, Pat Fitzgerald kind of made his bones that way, both as a player and as a coach, and helping build that place for really from the ground up. Uh, and when things were not clicking, um, they, they, they struggled, as we saw last year. I think the hope was with, with an experienced quarterback and Ben Bryant coming over from Cincinnati, that would stabilize things a little bit offensively. There are four new assistant coaches uh, before all this uh it transpired as well. So it was going to be a season of change in Evanston. And now it might be just beyond recognition for all of us. Last season over at Notre Dame, switching uh, teams real quick. That was a season of change for them. Marcus Freeman, his first uh, year with the fighting Irish, Sam Hartman, his first year. Now this coming season, uh, transfer quarterback transfer from Wake Forest. What are your expectations for Freeman in his second year and Hartman taking over under center for, uh, the Fighting Irish this year. Yeah, Kate, I think offensively they, they have a chance to be elite, uh, plain and simple. I mean, I think the talent is there, starting with Sam Hartman, who talent-wise is probably as good of a quarterback as they've had since Brady Quinn. And when, when you've got that position right, everything seems to kind of just naturally fall into place from there. They've got two potential first-round picks starting at the tackle spot. That's going to be one of the better offensive lines in the country. Uh, and they're, 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 they're talented in the backfield as well. The defense... Uh, scares me a little bit, particularly up front. I think this is a program that might have to find itself trying to outscore people, especially in those high-profile games like Ohio State, USC, Clemson. So that might be a little bit different from, from Irish teams in the past. And, and the other thing, how, how did Marcus Freeman grow as a coach from year one to year two? You always hear that's where you improve the most, right? Whether it's a coach, a player, you name it. Last year, they did a lot of uh, impressive things, a lot of things that gave you promise for, for this year being really, really special, starting with uh, that, that dominant win over a previously undefeated Clemson team back in November. Now, conversely, they lost to Marshall and Stanford at home, which are two two results I never in a million years w- w- would have expected to, to see and were, were the kind of results that this program just did not have in the last five or six years of the Brian Kelly era. They, they had an incredibly long win streak of beating up teams that they were favored against or that were unranked. And so – you look at this year's schedule, they're obviously the big three with USC, Ohio State, and Clemson, but, you know, Duke could be dangerous, NC State could be dangerous, Louisville, you name it. I mean, really, when, when you lose to Marshall and Stanford, that should, you know, be, be the light bulb clicking on saying, you know, we're Notre Dame, we're going to get the best shot from everyone, and we can't be inconsistent. We need to treat every game and every opponent as nameless and faceless. Otherwise, you're going to sink to the level of your competition. And I, I think if they can elevate the floor – under Marcus Freeman, uh, the way they didn't do last year, they could be in position to have a, a New Year's Six type season.
and Marcus Freeman's the big part of that equation, but the other part of that and why people are high on Notre Dame, you talked about him a second ago, but Sam Hartman, any interest in him for Heisman at 18 to one, or would you rather go like Notre Dame 30 to one, or are you waiting for a certain buy point for Notre Dame and you're just in wait and see mode with them? 18 to one's not bad. I mean, look, it's, it's Notre Dame, right? So, you know, they're going to have the spotlight. They're going to have the attention. And if Sam Hartman puts up the numbers that he's capable of putting up, I mean, I, I, I think there is some value there. Um, you know, I mean, the, the last time they, they came close to having a Heisman winner, and uh, obviously uh, th- th- this took on different meaning, but Vantai Teo in 2012 was the runner-up. And obviously he stuffed the sheet, stuffed the stat sheet um, defensively, which is extremely hard to do. Uh, but, but, you know, there was the narrative of Notre Dame and, and this guy is bringing them back and they go undefeated in the regular season. Um, if Notre Dame has a quarterback on their hands who's as good or, or, or within the same stratosphere as Brady Quinn, who was a Heisman finalist himself, I, I could see a scenario where that plays out. I mean, Sam Harmon's going to be 24 years old come kickoff in week zero against Dublin. He's been around the block. He broke, or I shouldn't say break, he was second in pretty much every ACC career passing category behind Phillip Rivers. He did a lot of good things at Wake Forest. Obviously, he'll be playing in a bit of a different offense uh, at Notre Dame. But he's also was, was probably under the radar a little bit because of Wake Forest's profile compared to that of Notre Dame. And that's part of why he went here, right? I mean, I think he, he had a little bit more to prove to, to scouts at the pro level. And if he can do that in a pro-style offense, that's arguably the, the biggest brand in college football. Um, he, he's going to get drafted next year and, and maybe make it to New York this year as a Heisman finalist. We're talking to Matt Fortuna, college football insider. You can find him on Twitter at Matt underscore Fortuna. Matt, speaking of Heisman candidates, um, Caleb Williams over at USC, last year's Heisman winner. The Pac-12, how good is the Pac-12 going to be this year? Because they have a lot of really good quarterbacks. You have Michael Penix Jr. over at Washington, Bo Nix at Oregon. Expectations for the Pac-12 this year. What do you have? It's going to be exciting. Like you said, Kate, the quarterback position there is just incredibly deep, starting obviously with Caleb Williams for Anaheim's winner. I, I, Michael Penix, I, I voted for Caleb as the winner last year, and he obviously won it. Uh, you got three people to vote for on your ballot. I had Michael Penix third. I, I thought he was one of the best players in the country last year. And we saw flashes of that at Indiana in the previous four years. He just could never stay healthy for a full season. Now that he's got a sixth year and a, you know, a second chance, in Seattle, you, I think if he's healthy, Washington is a legitimate Pac-12 contender and, and therefore a playoff contender. I hope for the league's sake that one team is able to kind of emerge away from everyone else. And I say that because this has regularly been a, a very deep and entertaining league, but they all beat each other up. I mean, Oregon uh, went into November last year with legitimate playoff hopes, and they ended up losing at home to Washington and ended up blowing a, a late lead at rival Oregon State, who, by the way, adds DJ Uyangale, uh the f- yeah. former five-star quarterback, from Clemson as well. Bo Nix at Oregon is a guy who, um, you know, was on the Heisen radar about the midseason point last year. Uh, Arizona State's got Kenny Dillingham, who was Bo Nix's former OC at Oregon. He brought in Drew Pine from Notre Dame and Jaden Rashada, the, the, the alleged $13 million recruit uh, who, who seemed destined for Florida. So there's no shortage of big names and talented passers in this league. And I'm looking forward to, to seeing you know how it all shakes out and i, I gotta mention him mean, he's the two-time reigning uh pac-12 champion cam rising at utah as well who opens yeah. on a thursday night with a marquee game against a florida team that beat him last year so uh it, it's definitely from this this date on looks like it's going to be uh the most exciting quarterback league in the country 
Matt, about 60 seconds left. And again, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. But we talked about Hartman, talked about Williams, who's the big favorite for Heisman. Anybody else that you are interested in looking at or excited to watch who could be a Heisman candidate uh, going forward this season, about 60 seconds? Yeah, you know, I, you know, I don't know if this guy's going to Heisman. He's probably 100 to 1 or so right now. But I look at a guy like Brendan Armstrong, a guy who is uh, in a new place at NC State after playing at Virginia the last two years. And I say that because Last year in year one under Tony Elliott, he really struggled, uh, as did that entire offense. The year before, he was second nationally in, in passing yards per game. He averaged more than 400 yards per game. And his offense coordinator at Virginia from two years ago, Robert and I, is now the offense coordinator he is reuniting with in Raleigh with the Wolfpack. So I, I look at you know, a long shot like that as a potential dark horse who, is a potent, who could put up big numbers and, and, and make some noise. I, I'd also keep an eye on Alabama. I know they haven't named a starter yet. They, they brought in Tyler Buckner from Notre Dame, but – He's got a really, really close relationship with that offense coordinator, Tommy Reese, dating back to high school. And when Buckner is healthy, and unfortunately it hasn't been all that often, he's looked the part of elite passer. So if, if you're a quarterback Alabama and you're in the mix, and your team's in the mix for the title, you're, you're probably going to get a lot of attention. He is Matt Fortuna, college football insider, an encyclopedia of college knowledge. Uh, thank you, Matt, for joining us. Hope you have a great rest of your Saturday. We appreciate your time. Thanks, guys.